Welcome, welcome, welcome to On Deck with Tony and Ken, where we talk about the nerdy things that make us who we are. This is episode number 38. What's good, Tony? Man, everything's good, man. Um, I've had a pretty chill weekend um, over uh, a chill week. I've only worked, I think I've only worked two days this week. Um, I worked Monday. I uh, took, I believe, Tuesday off. Um, and I actually headed up to Alton for a wedding. And uh, I'll tell you this about me, Ken. I don't care for weddings. Not in the way it's like I'm down with romance and marriage and all of that. And I, I actually fully respect marriage. I believe in marriage. But weddings themselves, and this might be blasphemy to some people's ears, or it's like, oh, this bar humbug. But I find them extremely boring. Only in the sense of like, when you've been to enough of them, you kind of realize it's it's formulaic. It's the same thing. You, you have this section, that section, that section. You have the, uh, the ceremony, you have the reception, blah, blah, blah. Rinse and repeat. Um, and it's just the whole effort. Like I went through a madness, Ken, just trying to like get a suit, and it was stressful. Um, I have like my body proportions are of certain build, right? So getting the right kind of suit. That's Tony. Not ta- did you just say you're you're a thick boy. Is that what you just? I'm a told thick. I'm a thick listeners? boy. I'm a thick. Boy. Okay. I'm a cool. thick. I'm a thicker. Just double checking. Um, that boy thick or thack. I'm so thick. I'm thack. Um, but like, yeah, I, I went through a hard time trying to get. A uh, a suit, um, and it was very very much in the eleventh hour. I managed to get a suit, a nice little light grey, double breasted little little number, looking looking like a snack. Um, so we go there. Uh, we go down to Alton, a uh, nice little place. We get a hotel for the Wednesday night. So I finish work, get to the sta- uh, train station, get to the hotel. We stay there. It's like a nice little air, um, not Airbnb, just a and B over a pub. Um, my girlfriend obviously being completely unimpressed she she's kind of she's a bit bougie if i'm being honest she she likes the finer things in life and i don't blame her so 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 there wasn't a mint on the pillow she was, there was, she was there upset was, dude there wasn't a mint on the <laughs> pillow there was even a tic tac which is nuts um right right so we get there we have a decent night well i say we have a decent night it starts off decent but um like i didn't realize this but she has a problem sleeping whereby she could only sleep with the tv on and i'm there like I can't bloody sleep because this TV is bright in my face and like loud. And I turn down the volume and she's fine with that. But she, you know, she needs the TV on. And I'm like just beaming with light in my eye. But and yet she's got a night mask or is that what it's called? A sleep mask or whatever it's called. And I'm thinking, then why does the TV have to be on if you're putting a mask on? But I don't say that. I'm trying to be polite. Um... And she suggests like that I turn on the brightness. I say it's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm tired. I'm not faffing around <laughs> with the menus to try and figure out how to t- get to the brightness settings. Um, do, do you know what it sounds like? What? It sounds like she needs an iPad or a, or a tablet. I, th- I, I, I she needs to sleep. That's what she needs to do. Yeah, <laughs> she needs to sleep. Um, so after that, we uh, we leave the in the morning uh, that Thursday morning, the day of the ceremony. We leave there to get to the hotel. And everything's a bit of a mess because the timing of it is a bit confusing. Like the ceremony, like our checkout is at 11, but the ceremony is at 1. We don't really have a lot of options in terms of killing time. So already suited and booted, we get there. We're hoping that maybe we can check into the other hotel because where we're, the, the wedding is, is actually at this estate manor thing, which actually has rooms, which uh, she paid for and we can't we can't get into the 
to the rooms yet because they're not available and they're not available till one. So it's like your guests can't book into their hotel rooms until one, but the ceremony is also at one, but also the fact that they actually had the registry before. So I don't know whether you're familiar about what the registry is. Are you familiar? Yeah, of course. So for people that don't know, the registry is like the legal rigmarole of marriage, right? So white man comes in and say, hey, here's the paper, sign it. Oh, you're married now. Everything else is kind of just like ceremony. That's why they call it the ceremony. Um, so, and we was even invited to the registry, which is fair enough, like only close people, but they're having it just round the corner from where we are. And we bumped don't, into the, like... It's, it's, it's not a big thing, Murph. It's not. It's not a big thing, but we yeah. was there just jamming for a whole hour, just like in awkwardly in the doorway thinking like, yo, this this planning seems a bit, seems a bit nuts, seems a bit sus, but it's all good. We get to it. We have the the ceremony, and bro, this this ceremony is two hours long, where you got a pastor just pulling off dead. With a Nigerian, with a Nigerian, Nigerians. I knew it. And like the pastor, <laughs> two hours, bro, bro. That's a good time, <laughs> bro. There was like the, the structure was it was wow. like there was a prayer, sure. then a hymn, then another prayer, then another two hymns, then a song, then a prayer, and I'm like, I I am all prayed out. Jesus knows where I am. He, I'm at this wedding. I'm ready giving you blessings for this. How many times am I asking Jesus to bless you? And it's all well and it's all done. We um, It gets better after that. There's like a little cocktail hour where we're having cocktail drinks and little canapes, um, which were delicious. Uh, and when we get to the actual um, reception at the end, it was a nice little party, very modest hall, quite elegantly done. But I'm I'm kind of over it, Ken. Like, I feel like there's... Whether you have pomp and circumstance with a wedding or you don't, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. And I hate it when they but they had us going all the way to Alton. Do you know where Alton is? Uh no. Alton no. is past is this... Woking, bruv. It's far off. Oh. Okay. And we're we're booking two hotels, pay for two hotels to say it's not even like like it's a location wedding without being in a decent location. And I feel like you just took the piss out of our lives, but well, that, that's interesting because uh, I've been to a, a wedding that was quite far out and that was to keep it nice and small and intimate so mm-hmm. people that can make it can make it right yeah um but it was Airbnb it was Airbnb that uh, me and my partner stayed, stayed at and yeah. it was great yeah. um we just got cab up and back you know what wasn't as big of an issue it was a really nice uh, mm-hmm. venue uh, but what it sounds like with with your thing is that it was a really really nice venue however um it was in a very awkward place which was also far away. It wasn't even that it was awkward. I'm just, a, I'm just, I'm just a miserable bastard. That's all it is, Ken. I'm I mean, just a miserable it's, part, it's partly that. I, I think what you also want is like a new experience because I, I get what you're saying. You get, you've been to, you go to a certain thing, uh, a certain amount of times. Kind of like, all right, cool. I know what's gonna happen. Yeah. And then it's gonna be the three hours before I actually get to eat anything. Yeah. And then you know everyone's looking good and it's just waiting and then you're forced to dance when you've barely even digested your food and you know it, it's a whole thing I, sw- I, I want to I wanna go Hawaii in it. <laughs> I want to do Hawaii I mean um, nah I'm not down with location any any time you got a wedding and it cost me like half a half a stack to get there you're taking the piss out of my life come on well if I'm ever going to do that either you're not coming or I'm paying for everyone to go but, but that's the thing like do we have friends like that to be paying for our stuff I don't think we do Ken Tony, Tony, I'm trying to say when we're wealthy. All right. Well, <laughs> even when I'm wealthy, I'm saying you, you, you bitches are paying for yourself. Like we're going to, we're gonna have a skydive. Like we're we're having a ceremony in the sky, so it's quick, right? Like Pastor hasn't got time 
to be like longing it off with any long speech. He's got. A f- oh wait, you, you're going to stream it, right? Because oh, I, I watch it from my. No, I, no, I watch no, it no. from my bed, bro. In- internet doesn't. <laughs> internet doesn't work up that high. Talking about skydive with it. <laughs> so we're gonna skydive. So that's gonna be short and quick. We land into the actual reception, the and the reception oh, okay. is gonna be hosted by the the crew of the Cirque, Cirque du Soleil, and it's gonna pop off. Then I'm gonna have like Kanye West in a cage match with Drake to the death, and uh, betting. It's it's gonna be a thing, Ken. I'm gonna make the most unique wedding known to man, so nobody can say, "Oh, another boring." conventional wedding my my wedding is going to be like you cannot say you predicted it bro you're miserable bro <laughs> i am i am i am but enough about me ken how you living yeah i'm, I'm good man like uh as normal school does its thing mm-hmm. um relatively busy um we had an inset day on friday right the friday just gone so what i um break down what inset actually- day is for people outside of the uk yeah, it's interesting that because um, I guess they're like training days for other schools in different countries. Mm-hmm. But an inset day, well, let's go by what how it is from the kids' point of view. Inset day to kids was always like, oh, that's a mini holiday, mm-hmm. a day off also, or maybe two days if you're lucky to have back-to-back one. So an extended weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So inset day to kids is a day off. But to teachers, it's a training day where there's no kids around. You go in. And you get specific training to help you become a better teacher or better at your role uh, for various things. And that's exactly what it was. It was a federation-wide training. So everyone in the school was online. It was actually done online. Mm -hmm. So everyone was able to um, get get bespoke training from different departments, which is great. Um, Now, the first half was everyone getting bespoke training. And the second half was run by me and my line manager. Right. So... Uh, I'm in charge of homework so I was like yeah we're, we're doing homework properly now so uh, yeah this is what I have to say this is how it's going to run please populate these folders bish bash bosh all done so yeah um, I actually ran CPD a little bit on Friday but um, yeah besides that boy, it's it's been a, a very um, interesting week mainly because nothing interesting happened right um, which is yeah that's it um, I'm not a going to Alton to go to a wedding that was a bit frustrating to you yeah but, uh, besides that no 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 nothing, nothing special i think um the, the the thing that was taking me the longest to get through mm-hmm. or the one one thing that's quite interesting I, I don't usually take a long time to get through tv shows or, right. or, or or films but for some reason it took me a very long time to get through um squid game right which we're not going to talk about today and this is by no means a a dig at squid game i've just been mad busy mm-hmm. and it just shows more so about like the kind of lifestyle that i'm living right and how much i don't want to live this lifestyle yeah of not being able to do or watch or experience the things that i want to experience as frequently as i used to right. because you know busy work yada 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 yeah well but yeah man uh, nothing too uh nothing too mad nothing too crazy on that note um Besides, without getting into detail, what what's what's some of the other stuff that you might have watched? Like maybe some new, some new stuff, like um, new curiosities. Maybe a new show that you've just started and you want to get deeper into. Is there anything like that? Nah, there's it's really literally been Squid Game and um, Seven Deadly Sins on Netflix. Right, that, that's all I've been um, trying to get through. Only because, like I said, it's weird. Like time just flies every week. Right, I don't get through as much content as I want to. Yeah, but you know holidays coming up and the way i've been planning things i am going to get through uh things quite quickly yeah um 
Seven Deadly Sins, uh, that's a guilty pleasure of mine because at one point I was like, oh yeah, I kind of like this. But then over time I'm like, mm, this is... This is this is too quintessential anime for me. Mm-hmm. I become bougie with my anime. I'm like, all right, cool. Give me something that I can't predict a mile off. You want a little bit um, of a fine wine, something with earthy notes, tannins, and and uh, a rambunctious bouquet of honeysuckle and watermelon, right? Oh, you you're a wine taster, taster. I don't know. That's that's <laughs> literally every, uh, the same thing I say every time I'm trying to do my my uh, connoisseur voice. Like you know the typical thing, like with wines, right? When somebody's like they think they're a connoisseur. In my mind, I go to Lloyd Grossman. Do you remember Lloyd Grossman from back in the day? Mm. He used to yeah, do yeah. like he used to um, sell you the sauces and also do a show called uh, Through the Keyhole, right? And his whole thing was like he used to talk like this, and when I describe food, it's quite. Sensual and through the base of my voice, uh, uh, a wine with a full body and honeysuckle and watermelon. See, when I hear things like that, oats, it, it to me doesn't make them sound distinguished or you know anything like that. Mm. All it sounds like to me is I can't relate to anything you're saying mm-hmm. or doing or showing me. Yeah, so I'm switching off. If it was someone from the ends, like from Southeast London, mm-hmm. talking about their genuine love for wine, yeah. I'd, I'd probably be like. And hearing, not hearing them talk like typical Southeast London kind of slang or whatever, mm-hmm. but just someone that just like, all right, cool, just just talk as I've heard before. But you know, just not getting the guy down on how we like how he is. That's how he is, isn't it? So, yeah, but that's the, that's the thing though. It's like you'll never have a road man like talking like that. It's like it's always like the hoity toity and the hoity polloi. Like, could you imagine? It's like you know what, bro? Like I had this like this that this like this uh this Pinot Grigio. Like it was it was decent so it had like it had a real rambunctious bouquet, like playful on the tongue, quite subtle and like the citrus aftertaste, it's like it gave me memories of childhood and longing for a better time, like before the gats used to come up popping, bruv. Like I have to say this uh nineteen sixty two was a good year, bruv. I have to say, innit? You you won't get that's that so from a roadman. You won't get that from a roadman. Same way. Do you from, know you're not meant to drink wine. You're not actually meant to drink the wine during wine test- tasting. No, well, helpful. with a I think that's only for a sommelier, like a sommelier, because obviously he's going around tasting all of the things and describing it. He doesn't want to get effed up at the end of the night. So I think other people it's, it's down to your choice if you swallow or not. But with a sommelier, he 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 sips it, he tastes it, and he spits it out into a bucket. I don't think necessarily like you as the audience on the wine tasting, you're obligated not to drink it one way or the other. If you if you do drink it, yeah, be people, prepared people, people to be messed lit, up. Bro. People getting lit, man. People, oh yeah, of course. Of course, like I'm, you know I, mean? I pay for this thing. I'm, I'm drinking it. What, you're telling me I'm coming all the way to bloody to Acton? To pay for alcohol and not... <laughs> My guys are Acton. Acton, Acton bro. You got me going all the way to far, Acton, bro. bro. <laughs> to have these earthy notes and playful rambunctious bouquet with real... Playful rambunctious bouquet. With real <laughs> mouthfeel just to spit it out. Nah, bro. I'm swallowing this mouthfeel. Bro, swallowing just sounds... Anyway, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> wine tasting is something that I might never do. Yeah. Um, unless unless uh, my father wants to. But yeah, man. Um, but yeah, like, how about you, Tom? Like, what have you been watching? So, what have you been looking at? There's been a show that I've been, I've been, I've been excited for. Right, it's called The Foundation. It's a Apple Plus show. Apple Plus, they've been popping up with their with their exclusives. Um, there's another one that I tried to start called C. Uh, which I might get to when I've actually finished the first episode. But with that foundation, I've gotten to episode four. I think episode four just dropped yesterday or today. And the whole conceit of the show is that it's far-flung future. At least that's what I'm getting from from it. Far-flung future. And humanity has spread out into the stars and become a whole empire. 
And within the central part of this empire, you have what's known as what this guy who's the personification of the empire. They've just referred to him as um, empire. And I think his name is Creon. But the interesting thing about Creon is that he's technically like 500 years old. And how he's done that is that and maintain power is he always has three versions of himself on the on on the throne at one time so there's the youngest version of himself which is known as the dawn then there's the middle version of himself which is like you know quite he's usually around the age of 30 to 40 and he's known as the day and the oldest version of himself which you know he has to eventually give up the throne but he's still like the elder statesman kind of the diplomat he's known as dusk sometimes there's a crossover where the 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 one going out the oldest version that's being cycled out he's known as night so his brother dawn brother day brother dusk and brother night now the whole conceit is that there's this one character who's a scientist but his science is very specific where he's created a mathematical model and I, this is one of the reasons why i wanted you to watch this show because you know you being a math teacher and all of that whether you be like this is nonsense but he's creating this complex mathematical model where through statistical analysis of mm. populations and people since humanity spread so far out into the galaxy he's got a large sample size and he's basically got this model that is predictive of where human society will go to the point of like extreme accuracy and he's come to empire and said hey in about x amount of years i forget the number uh, the human the the, the empire is going to fall there's no avoiding it like that's some Westworld type stuff. I, I don't know how far you got into Westworld. Not very far. Three, not very far. All right, cool. But he's he's basically said yeah. like the reason why this is happening is that you spread yourself too thin. There's competing ideologies. There's people on the very edges of space that are basically saying, "Why are we out here on the edge of space? And you're not taking care of us. We have we want our independence. All of these things link into my mathematical model, model and at some point the whole empire is going to collapse itself and humanity is going to reach the point of extinction but if you give me the opportunity now there's no way to avoid this cat this cataclysm but there is a way to salvage it and what i propose wait 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 wait, yeah. wait. before you continue i, I always feel that like stories go the same way it's going mm-hmm. to be feel uh, uh, it's going to be like well don't tell me if this is true or not because i do want to watch this mm-hmm. but like i, I want to predict that like oh they're not going to listen to him because they go, oh, you crackpot. Oh, I don't want to hear your madness. The whole Thanos thing about like, he told like, this is an extreme mm. thing that we're going to do. Okay, to I can I can tell you this. The, you know what I mean? I can tell you yeah. this without spoiling it. Yes and no. Cool. Good to know. Yeah. I like that. Um, which is which is perfect politics, you know? Mm. Like, let's, let's not lie. When we look at the real world and we see how things are run, mm. As much as a president wants, or or a prime minister, or a, a leader of a country wants something to happen, yeah, it, there it's never easy. It's never like, oh, this will be good for humanity. This will be good for our people. This will make money. This will increase these percentages. Yeah, help these amount of people. It is never straightforward. Mm-hmm. There's always op. There's always an opposition saying, all right, no, 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 no. We're gonna do it something like this. So, and it's always a give and take. Eventually, good things happen. Yeah, but there's always a fight. So you saying yes and no? I'm like, all right, cool. I, I, I was wondering if it was going to be like that because I would have the, the show would have lost points. Yeah. Yes and no means that it's more indicative of how the world really is. There are always going to be people opposing and people for it, and eventually, you're never going to get. All I know, can say, the final thing of 
all I can really say is that the overall storytelling is more complex than meets the eye. Like I'm literally in episode four and it's, it's both a problem that I'm having, but something that I'm trying to embrace to get through what they're trying to tell me is the fact that using the conceit of the creons, right? At this point, um, it's 400 years, 500 years after the original creon, which they actually keep on like in like a slab of compressed ice or glass or something like that. And they use his DNA to produce more clones of himself. But these are complete genetic identical clones. They don't have his memories, but they're, they're being taught by the previous Cleon and also this kind of matriarch that's been with them since the beginning. She's kind of like the mother figure without being the mother. She's an advisor at the same time. And she always is like advising the middle one, taking care of the oldest one and raising the youngest one. And she's always constant from what the show's alluding to and this is not really a spoiler if you've seen the trailer she's not human you don't know what she is though and she's practically immortal okay cool um, um i'm sold what well, uh, i will say it I, sounds weird it sounds weird as hell man i will but, um, i will say one thing in terms of the problems i'm having with the storytelling and it's the same problem i had with the witcher Again, if you're worried about spoilers, this is not really so much of a spoiler, more like kind of like something that you either notice or not notice. But because there's several time jumps in it, but you have Empire, the, the three versions of Empire, it's not necessarily clear because they don't make it clear which time period it is. So there was a point where I thought that it was only like maybe 30 years in the future, only to find out that in a previous episode, you got brother day who's the reign uh, the reigning empire in the middle he, who's played by lee pace uh the actor that played uh uh what's his name uh ronan the accuser in guardians of the galaxy pretty much doing another roman ronan the accuser impersonation but there's in episode three you see him with all the three versions but uh brother dawn is like really young he's almost like 10 years old um but in the next episode, okay. episode four that I just watched, the weird thing about it is you see Brother Dawn, he's older. He looks like he's uh, 19 or something. But I was under the impression that was Brother the, the, the brother Dawn from the previous episode that was only 12 years old. It's not. That 12-year-old has already become right. Day and it's another one. So it actually doesn't even tell you how many years they skipped over. Right. Um, yeah, th this is a constant problem mm -hmm. that I see with stories that are based off of books because books do this a lot. Yeah. Um, books that um, a common trait with books is to, well, jump around. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's uh, from chapter to chapter. And sometimes they put the dates in the chapters so you know where we are. Yeah. Um, to try and tell a linear story, or in this case, a non linear story, but on film, is so much more challenging than in a book because in a book, you know, you get more context, you get more descriptive of the timelines, mm -hmm. more world building as you jump around in the book. And I can, and this, this gives me, this was based on the book. Yeah. Um, vibes a lot. Cause that's what happened with the Witcher. Witcher, yeah. Witcher wasn't a story that was written to be a linear story uh, for a film. No, it was just a story like normal books. That's books the, jump around but that's like the that. interesting See, thing about Witcher, right? You just said that Witcher was non-linear from episode four, where I am now. It's still linear. The problem is it's moving in obviously the forward direction, but it's not telling you in how many steps. I could be okay with non-linear where you, you know, it's jumping back in time, jacking forwards in time or side in time. Problem is, is that it's constantly jumping forwards, but not telling you how far forward. 
Oh, okay. I see what you mean. So it's not like... Because um, well, well, one thing that I... It sounds like Witcher does better here. When they do jump, at least they tell the story in that in that era. Um, because we, we got that through um, the main characters and the different eras that they passed through. Mm-hmm. And they never really moved until they were finished telling a story then. But then it never really connected. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's what's jarring. Because you're trying to make me... Um, pick up the themes of the show yeah but then they're not connecting beyond the theme and rather than um more the time that they're in yeah which is frustrating but i mean you stick around long enough everything usually falls together kind of like in westworld yeah but in case anyone hasn't watched westworld they do some time jumpy type stuff yeah uh here and there i need to get back into westworld to be fair but you you really do bro that, you, you really do that's essentially the foundation I, I think i think for people that are looking for because it, the, the awesome thing about it that i really like and it's going to be obviously coming off of not the heels i can say is like technically dune is coming off of the heels of this is that it's kind of like dune whereby it's not just science fiction it's also science fantasy at the same time uh so it's like they're using their hard science but also there's kind of an air of cosmic magic to it but not it's like it's kind of like subtle right um because there's other elements there's like this obelisk out on another planet where it's emitting this kind of frequency that nobody can get close to it to a certain period of time except for this one girl but you don't know why she doesn't know why is it magic she's is a chosen it? one isn't it chosen one story it's a chosen one but you don't know why she's the chosen one you don't know whether she was chosen by the obelisk or literally chosen because she's just a random mutation and it goes into the story that um because of that guy the scientific model of that guy he's made it very clear because um the empire tried to challenge him said like well if your scientific model is so perfect predict what i'm going to do now and so like my model cannot predict the individual it's designed to predict a whole population i can do that and i've proven that to you i can't predict on a day-to-day because the fate of the individual is still within them you can only really kind of predict the uh, predict a herd mentality so no fuck that guy man like on the rules because there's a lot of things that we can predict mm-hmm. That uh, are a combination of very small parts yeah. and be 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. For example, we know that stars will form in a spherical shape. Yes. Like, oh, how do you know? How do you know? How, how, okay, then tell me how one particle works in that. Mm-hmm. Like, what? How are you going to tell me about the one? Like, we know the kind of model it's going to form. I think the it, reason why, and weird... I, I think the reason why that's the case and it's fascinating because in terms of a society is over time, right? A society is only formed over time, whereas a human life is finite. In terms of the statist- statistical significance of an individual is negligible. So when he was predicting this model of how the empire is going to fall, it's not off of like it's going to be falling tomorrow. It's like if everything progressive as it has been for the previous hundred years and the other hundred years, this is how everything messes up. And because you're not changing that and you can't change it at this point, this is how it ends. I can't do that for an individual because an individual is so statistically insignificant. There's no way to map that in a in a in a large scale. It's like that's why most statistics, even in where in the real world we have now, it's never really on the individual is always a sample size because you can't live the day-to-day life of an individual. You can't really track that. And even when you do, there's so many variances, um, variables to kind of impact that individual. A person can literally, the moment you start a study, die the next day. Whereas a society, it's probably harder for them to die just in a single day. 
you can actually have yes. more of a model over 10, 15, mm. 20, uh, 50 year period of time. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how that works. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, the more, the larger your sample size, mm -hmm. the more realistic the, um, the more realistic the probabilities be uh, begin to have. Yes. For example, if you had like three people yes. and they're flipping coins, what, three times each, whatever. Yes. Um, sorry, let's let's call it two people. Mm -hmm. Two people, no, no, let's call it three people flipping a coin. The probability of getting heads and tails, yes. it will be very, very unbalanced. Yes. If you did it with a million people, it would, by some form of statistical magic, Dude. it would get closer and closer. Dude, to what you're talking about right now with that coin thing, that's episode four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, almost as if they knew math teachers were going to watch this. Yeah, yeah, man. And the like, way they break it down because gets, she does this thing so with it, it's kind of fucked up. But I'm gonna leave you to watch that. But let me let me cap off uh, what I'm talking about with the foundation. But I think, and I don't know whether they're gonna do it in a future episode. But I would say, given all of that, in terms of like you can't necessarily do a model of an individual. At least that's the conceit of the story and the scientists um, in the story. Is that what's interesting, and whether whether the show is gonna address this is that given that um emperor creon is technically 500 years old because he's like reproduced himself is that enough data giving his previous iterations decisions and the way he's moved the empire can you make a model off of him now the show hasn't addressed that yet but that's enough data right to make an analysis off of an individual Yeah, that's interesting. But again, um, we have to wait for the show to address that. Yeah, I do look forward to um, to actually watching this. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it got me thinking about um, how people... Because um, you always get stories about people predicting the future, right. using science or whatever, whatever. Yeah. And then I try and think about, okay, what about the real world logistical ways of actually doing this? Mm -hmm. So for us to be able to do that, we would have to have an intrinsic or a, a, a almost mystical uh, understanding of how every single particle is going to navigate through yeah. the universe. Yeah. Because if you know how a particle moves, um, then you know exactly how it's going to interact with other particles. Mm -hmm. But then the problem is we literally have trillions to the power of trillions of particles uh, scattered across the universe. Yeah. So to know uh, what's going to happen next is, is very, um, it's very difficult. Yeah. But then we can even make it even smaller and just... Uh, not worry about other planets we can just look at it uh, in terms of Earth mm -hmm. about all those particles once again we don't have access to all of that but then we could have smart science to try and understand how a particle works yeah. and how it's going to interact and then you kind of would be able to predict it because when you think about it down to the actual things that make us who we are yeah. all we are is a bunch of mass moving together mm -hmm. if you zoom in far enough we're just mass right yeah. we're just different little particles bumping into each other yeah how are different like how are these small particles once they become millions and billions of particles yeah. start having individual thoughts start uh, unraveling the under the mathematics of the universe mm -hmm. start unraveling how things work yeah. can can start wars and everything which got me thinking and this is my um, very um, this might be my future book so I'm saying mm -hmm. on now because it's being recorded and everything so if anyone tries to take it at least we have proof of this right but what if the earth was sentient or at least alive mm -hmm. because when you think about it us as people we're just a combination of uh different types of mass mm -hmm. 
and now we are thinking, moving, shucking and jiving, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what if the earth is actually like us, just alive, just a collection of all this mass mm-hmm. and actually has, you know, a mind or, or, or is actually sentient to a certain, certain degree? Mm-hmm. That would be wild because what's the difference between the earth and us? The earth is actually bigger than us, mm-hmm. so why, 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 why can't it? Mm-hmm. So what if it had consciousness? It, the, That'd be crazy, right? I think the deeper question is, right, it's the assumption that we always have about things. And I had this conversation recently. But we, we always have what, sorry? The assumption that we have about a lot of things that we're, like, when we come up with a concept, we automatically be th- think, because of consensus, that, cons- that concept is correct, right? The idea of consciousness. Now, some scientists once upon a time came up with the, uh, the concept of, of, of what life is, you know, the ability to reproduce, the, uh, the ability to, to um, I forget the rules of what considered to be life, but there's a difference between life and sentience, right? A plant yeah. is living, but is it sentient? Some people will argue no. Some people will argue yes. But it depends what plant. There are some plants that do some very weird stuff. True, that's very true. But even the concept of what sentience is, it's offered the narrow parameters of what we humanize, right? We're always kind of providing human connotations to other things, and that's when we're deciding, oh, this mullet. So it's kind of like personification. So we're, we're, we're projecting our what is typical of a person onto things that may, that don't fit that same model. Right. And therefore describing it by that. That's yeah, the thing. So the concept yeah. of consciousness of do we exist, I think, therefore, I am, is very human, right? And for all we know, a higher level of 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 uh, of existence could actually look at us and actually see us the same way we see, I don't know, uh, a bacteria, right? When we think of a bacteria, we don't necessarily think that bacteria is sentient. We just see it as a bacteria no. doing its basic thing. But it's like it's always levels to this stuff. And one of the conversations I've had as well about the idea of like, you know, people always go on, go on and on about, you know, natural remedies, don't go for the pharmaceutical stuff because everything put on the planet, uh, anything put on the planet is there because we can find it to cure anything that we, 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 we suffer from. And that's a, that's a huge assumption. That's a huge assumption because that's under the basis mm-hmm. that you assume that everything on the planet is there to fix everything that we suffer through, which... I don't know if that's right or wrong. I can't tell somebody that's wrong. It's like, because they're always the, the response is like, but it, what, how can it not be? Because we always assume that the, the universe was built in balance. We don't actually know that. We actually don't know that the, human, the, the, the universe itself, even Earth itself, was built with a certain level of balance. A lot of minerals well, it, it, that exist. It goes back to that concept of, okay, how much of this is actually luck? Because, you know, people come to very definitive answers like, oh, yeah, well, we're meant to be here. Oh, everything here is, is meant to be for us. This, 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 this. And then in my mind, I'm like, all right, cool. Like errors and eons pass between uh, um, different life, uh, d- different organisms, different uh, groups of people. How do you know we're not just lucky? We're just floating in space mm-hmm. and we were lucky that everything here was around us. So yeah. to say that, oh, it, it was there for us, it's kind of like, well, yeah, that, that's that, that's a way of thinking about it. I'm not saying you're wrong, but then it could be a thing where, like, all right, cool. Um, we could just be horribly and amazingly lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, even like asteroids not hitting the earth. Yeah, 
So going back to what you were saying about how, you know, based on how people perceive it, yeah, yeah, like no one no one truly knows, but people will choose to believe what they want to believe. And that's the thing, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but like even the concept no, of no. like, oh, we have everything around us to fix every issue we have. It's like, well, that's a very huge assumption because a lot of minerals didn't exist on Earth until a couple of million years ago, until it came on an asteroid. Like there's whole parts of the periodic table that just literally a few million million years ago didn't exist. They came here. Yeah. I, I think um, human history w- was based off assumptions. Mm-hmm. And then over time, that branched off into different religions, different mm-hmm. sciences, different pseudosciences. But then as we learned more and more, we started making more assumptions. Yes. So a good scientist uh, isn't someone that says, yes, this is true. Mm-hmm. A good scientist is someone that says, okay, how can I prove that it's true right. or how can can I actually prove it wrong can I provide what, enough evidence to actually say this is most likely there we go it's never true or false right. it's okay is this mo- most likely like can I disprove mm-hmm. it if you can't disprove something and that's a big part of maths as well yes where it comes to well it's proof right you, you, you prove something through contradiction you prove something through uh, understanding okay well if it isn't true mm-hmm then we have to make these assumptions. Mm-hmm. And if those assumptions don't make any sense, then we can use that as proof to say that something is true. And, you know, part of that is happening in science. Yeah. Like people write papers and try and recreate experiments just to double check that it makes sense. Yes. You know, things are constantly changing in science. Pluto, I can't remember what year it was, mm-hmm. 2000, whatever, it stopped becoming a mainland uh, planet. It became a dwarf planet. Mm-hmm. Oh, it didn't become a dwarf planet. It was classified. Uh, it was reclassified as a dwarf planet. And that's been jumping back and constantly forth. Because I remember back in school when that was a thing, then it was a planet again, then yeah. it wasn't a planet. And I'm like, yeah. what What the hell? What What the hell? Yeah, yeah. So, Well, it goes back to the whole thing about you were saying about assumptions. Mm-hmm. People make assumptions and through what they understand about a certain thing, they come to conclusions with their uh, assumptions. Mm-hmm. But like when we first started humanity... We were, we were having sweeping assumptions like, oh, the world is flat, oh, the world is round, mm-hmm. all this, this, that, whatever, whatever. I'm not trying to get into debates about all of that. But we, we had big sweeping assumptions and then it become smaller and smaller assumptions as we learned more about our environment. Right. Oh, it wasn't, you know, God just pissing on the on the walls to flood it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, people made huge assumptions and then it just went down and down. Let me ask- and I think um, we, we're still doing that with a lot uh, with a lot of science that we don't understand. Yeah. Like the whole idea of, um, oh, what was it? Uh, dark matter. Yeah. Like it's still uncommon. Even like flying past the sound barrier. I don't know if you know about the history about the sound barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, people, like anytime spaceships, uh, sorry, not spaceships, aircrafts approached uh, the sound barrier, yeah. which was the speed of sound. Um, the, the planes used to shake apart and even break apart. Right. So people were making sci-fi comics with wild assumptions about what would happen if someone ever broke the sound barrier. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, they'll transfer it to another universe or they'll uh, trans- uh, go into the future, into the past, whatever, whatever. But then we did it with, you know, incredibly fast planes. Mm-hmm. Like you, you got things that fly five times the speed of sound. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got like a lot of the fighter jets do that anyway. Yeah, And then it, and then all those assumptions or crazy assumptions automatically disappeared yeah. because you finally got to a place where you understood enough yeah. and then new assumptions were made that were a lot more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. One one thing I want to I want to quickly discuss before we get into our main topic, right? And I think it's fascinating in terms of what we're talking about right now. Um how do you feel about the whole COVID vaccine, right? I mean, you've taken it, right? 
Uh, yeah, double jabbed. You, double double jabbed. jabbed, and you probably still have another four months before you have to take your booster, right? Yeah, yeah. You too, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I've, this has been obviously an ongoing conversation, whether it be internet or face to face with people. It's like people pretty much being on the fence of like, nah, 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 I'm not going to take it because why I'm going to take something that there's no guarantee that I might not catch it or might not, uh, I might still catch it or might catch it again. Um, And I don't know, have you had that conversation before? Um, I try to avoid those conversations because I don't know how crazy people are. I don't even think I've it's a crazy person seen, thing. I think it's a. It's no, 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 no. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying about like some people get really, really passionate mm-hmm. about this, and I, I'd rather just talk about anime or something yeah. else. I'd rather talk about sports. I talk about, you know, what I mean, yeah. like some people I've seen like who have normal conversations about it. like, oh, mm-hmm. that's what we think. It's like, oh, that's nice. That's oh, you're going based on your assumptions, what you understand. Yes. Cool. And so we are violent about it. Like, no, mm-hmm. you must get a jab. Like, oh, how are you going to trust so, putting something into your body? And like, like mm-hmm. okay, cool. Chill, chill out, man. But this um, is the thing that I always ask yeah. people when they bring up that argument of like, oh, they, you know, there's no guarantees that it's going to stop me from getting. It's like, well, let me ask. And I'll put this to you, Ken, and I'll put this to the audience, the people that are listening. Tell me one disease on the planet where you can take medicine for it, any, whether even it's like a natural remedy, and you will never get that disease again. Can you think of one, Ken? Uh, no, not at all. Because there's there's no there such thing. One. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Like, no, whether no. you get... What we're doing is boosting our immunity. We still catch every single disease and virus. Um, our body just becomes more adept at killing. Immune, immunity aside, right? If you get a headache, headache is a disease, as classified by the World Health Organization, Right. If you get a headache, you yeah. take painkillers for that headache. It doesn't stop you from ever getting a headache again. If you get a form of cancer, any form of cancer, you can go through chemotherapy. You can get a natural remedy, a remedy for it. Doesn't mean that you won't get that cancer again or another form of cancer again. You get any STD just because you've taken antibiotics for it. Doesn't mean you can't get an STD again. There is no known medicine on the planet. Right, even vaccines, right? And people will kind of say like, oh, well, you can't get uh, polio. The only reason why you can't get polio or it's rare to get polio is because we've eradicated it because we've taken the vaccine to stop the spread of it. Doesn't mean if there was an outbreak of polio again, people will still get polio. It's just that it's eradicated to the point that it's so significantly insignificant. There's nobody to spread it to anybody else. But don't know right. if there's just a pocket of polio in a in a in a in a sample size large enough, it will resurge. There is no condition known to man whereby you take medicine X, natural remedy X, you will not get that disease again. Okay. Um I guess a lot of our terminology um I mean I want to be careful with our term- terminology mm-hmm. because are, are you saying that people can't get it again but people can't be cured? No, there's no such thing really as a cure. There's a treatment. There's alleviating symptoms. There's, okay. there's the. That, that's where I disagree with you. Well, the the term cure is a, is, a, is 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 terminology. It's a nomenclature, right? But people have it in their mind exactly. that uh, the idea of a cure, like technically, yes, a cure does exist for certain diseases, but the belief is that versus something like the vaccine versus treatment X for something else is that well, this cured me of cancer. Yeah, sure, you can say it cured you of your cancer. But does that say that you won't get cancer again? No, it doesn't. So the argument when they use it against something like the vaccine is like, well, I've taken the vaccine. Doesn't mean I won't get COVID again or I won't get COVID. It's like, 
you can get chemo, you can take that natural herb, you can smoke weed. Doesn't mean it yeah. will stop you from yeah, getting t- Tony, cancer. You you, t- you took it to cancer, mm. which is fine, but you can even take it close to home. Okay. Um, and this is not me saying they're they're right or wrong, mm. but it's not like like the common cold. When we get a cold, mm-hmm. that is not the same cold you got from last year, right? You know, you can you can be reinfected with the same virus. You literally can. With a cold, and have the exact same, and exact, as it, prior, it is prior possible. Your immune system can help you fight it. It doesn't mean that a virus can't literally circumvent your immune system. That's a common misconception. No, 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 no. A lot of people think no, no, because no, no, they've no, gotten no, no. a certain flu virus. Let me let me land on this. So whether it's the common cold or flu virus, right? A lot of people think it's like when you get the flu again, it's a different virus. That's not guaranteed. That's not like they think it's like oh no, it must be a different strain. That's not always the case. You can get reinfected and suffer symptoms of the same strain. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. If you get infected, mm-hmm. let's say, for example, for the co- uh, for um, for a cold, mm-hmm. right? um, and you go through the whole motion of uh, recovering from yes. it, and then maybe the next year or however long after you get reinfected by that same uh, virus mm-hmm. or whatever, will it affect you as much? Because I'd assume that your immune system will have improved mm-hmm. and then you'll be able to fight that virus yes. better, right? Yes. I'm not saying that you won't get symptoms. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that your body will be more um will be better at fighting that particular disease, no? That that's that's the logic behind it. That's the science behind it. That's the the general consensus that like obviously you've been your body's built a, a an immunity towards what what is infected to you. So the next time you get it, if it is the same strain your body will be more efficient in fighting that off to the point that you won't yeah. feel symptoms. That is not a guarantee because you have to consider that. No, no, no. I didn't say won't feel symptoms. I'm saying you'll be better out at, at fighting. Yeah. That, that, you might still, because I know some people can get very mm-hmm. ill and then they might still get the same virus yes. or get a virus. Yes. And they might still feel quite poorly. Yes. Maybe not as much as they did initially, mm-hmm. but would still feel poorly. Yes. No? Yes. So that's right. the thing. It's like statistically when you look at these things, it's the case that you're always looking at the data, especially in the medical field, right? That it's unlikely for you to get the same virus, exactly the same strain that you've been infected with, that you will suffer the same ailments. You might not, the second time around, you might not even feel it and your body just like knocks it out. But again, in that moment to moment, you don't know if your body has actually fought it effectively enough that you have actually built enough of an immune system. There's obviously, you know, the term immunosuppressed, right? Mm-hmm. You can be immunosuppressed for multitude of reasons. Maybe you haven't slept enough. Maybe you've actually got HIV AIDS that your 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 immune system is so low. Maybe it's just simply a case you ate the wrong thing and it's actually knocked out your immune system. In those situations, that's enough that even though you have immune cells, immune immune T cells that actually have the antibodies for it, the idea of the antibody antigen reaction is the ability for those antibodies to actually bind onto every single virus cells to make it inert. There's no, there's right, no right. guarantee of that. Everybody's dealing in okay. absolutes. Like we know these things for science that is always a fact all the time. All right. Well, it, it's interesting mm. uh, about this conversation yes. because I, I do believe between the pair of us, we know a little bit about all of mm-hmm. this, right? Um, my my biggest worry about the world is that we're not teaching people about the essential things that actually affect yeah. them. And it goes back to the, I don't know if we've had this conversation, but 
I truly believe there are certain subjects that just need to be compulsory. Mm-hmm. Uh, money management being one of them. Yeah. Obviously not relevant to this conversation yeah. as much, but irrelevant to what people need to know. Money management is one of yeah. them. Um, knowing the law and how it affects them yes. is a huge thing, especially in South East London. Mm-hmm. Like knowing the law and how it affects you. And uh, referring to what we know here, I, I think everyone should learn a bit of medicine. I used to go university yeah. for it. I'm saying everyone just should learn a little bit of medicine yeah. about how our body works. So those are the top three that I can remember mm. off the top of my head. But those are, are, are so vital because imagine if people had the basic understanding and, you know, and it was familiar in their mind about how certain things work within your body, yeah. um, with immunity, with just just everything, yeah. right? Well, maybe not everything. Then I think there'll be less, like, uh, uh, um, misunderstandings because mm-hmm. people are saying wild things on both sides. Of course. You know what I mean? And it's like, wait, let me check my mass, my, 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 my biology book mm. again because something isn't quite adding up. But you, you know, know how I mean? it and is, I'm though. Sure. There's levels to this, right? It, it all goes down to, like, obviously there's there's psychology about at what age can you absorb what information. You know the difference between mass at a SATS level to GCSE level to A level. I think with a lot of yeah. things, and I get where you're coming from, and I don't think you're wrong. I can't necessarily fault your perspective like some things we should be able to learn but i think it's ability of retention and time right some high concepts of whether it be science maths or biology you know at what point do you, do you broach it right those concepts i contact uh, like i didn't heard uh, um learn about ligand binding theory which ligand binding theory is basically how drugs interact with a cell i didn't learn about that so like um for example, is like if you have drug X, how does it look chemically and how does it bind to the receptors of the cell where it takes it in and does its medical thing? If I learned that at A level, and even then it's like there was a ma- major difference between where I learned it in degree Bro, level. I ain't even talking about it being that deep, man. I'm, I'm Like some of the basic things of how, for example, vaccines, mm-hmm. how they're supposed to work. Like we don't but, have to go. But that's the thing. At what like level the, do you the, teach that? Because I learned about that in in school, and the different like I'm talking about secondary school. I learned about vaccines in school, but the way it's taught in terms of understanding, if I was taught the same way I learned it in degree level, it's one of those ones. It's like the way you learn it in school, really and truly, is nothing. It doesn't really give you a real understanding. But if they try to tell you the fullness of it you wouldn't get it really at that age. I can I can only speak for myself and maybe this is why they do it this way. You're in the education system. You know better than me. You know why they probably yeah. pass information and a certain way. I can only figure that there's only so much nitty gritty they can give you at a certain level where it's significant enough where you are actually really truly informed. All right, what you're talking about is depth, mm-hmm. right? You're talking about depth. When it comes to primary school, or even yes. nursery or anything, or any particular level, yes. the higher you get, the deeper you understand Yes. It. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning depth is because as much as we are learning different things in school, mm-hmm. we're not actually mentioning or, or, or talking about the key things that do affect right. us. Talking about medicine, mm-hmm. let's say, for example, or biology. Yeah. Right? We're taught about, oh, this is how this works, this is how that works. But things like that is really important, like vaccines. Yes. You know, I'm not saying a child has to under, like go to university, like a 10-year-old has yeah. to you know, truly grasp the idea of a university level, but there is a shallower version 
of the information yeah. that they can grasp, that they can actually articulate properly. Yeah. Oh, this is how this works. They may not know exactly how the proteins bind together mm. or how, you know, certain things work, but <laughs> at least they'll have a surface understanding mm -hmm. that, you know, they can make their own conclusions. Well. Yeah. And then as you move through the key stages or through the education system, yeah. you get a deeper, deeper understanding about why. Why does yeah. it happen? Why does that happen? Why does it happen? Because like I said, like there's only so much a child can take in at certain times yeah. uh, and it then becomes a passion for them to actually uh, navigate into something more complex. Yeah. But in terms of the title of what they're learning, yeah. it's still accessible throughout every single stage of education it's a it's like, a complex it just depends thing, on the it just just goes i don't think it is i, I think i think, I think it, it's complex like, in the sense that somebody has to create that package right well, at what point do you simplify something because i think with mate the education the, uh, um the education uh people the people organize education in this country mm -hmm. That's literally their job. That's what they did with and maths. Yes. They broke down maths to be, uh, make a specification yeah. about what every single student has to yeah. learn. And then they went to the exam boards and say, okay, follow yeah. this. And this is how you should design your papers. Yes. And, and, and I, I agree with you there, but Ken, but I, I'm talking about in a level of like, at, at what point do you simplify something to the point that is pretty much tantamount to misinformation? The only reason why I say this, right? One of my favorite teachers, and I'll never forget him, John Nichols, right? And he, he openly said this to me. I had him like in, in GCSE all the way to A-level. The shit that you learn at GCSE in terms of science, like you only taught me science, right? It's absolute nonsense. It's nonsense. It's not even close to like what really you kind of even need as a baseline education. But that's just the way it is because that's the only... These are the people that put in uh, that were put in charge and thought it was best way to package that. So I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm thinking the people there that are creating these packages in terms of whether it's a simple version of teaching, whether it's money management or vaccines, if they exist, I think that's where it becomes a complex thing, a complex dance of like, how much do we give that can be absorbed at that level, at that key level, that is not tantamount to misinformation because you know you can have some stuff that is so simple okay. or simplified that is practically useless and that's what my teacher john nickel was saying is like the stuff that they teach you at gcse chemistry and biology is like it's 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 almost worthless it's only getting you to a level where that's why we get to the jump to a level it's a massive jump okay this this is the main reason mm -hmm. why what you just said is the reason why I'm yearning for these different types of curriculums mm -hmm. because a lot of the things that we're teaching kids is not all that accessible mm -hmm. or uh, um, useful for yeah. them in terms of uh, the everyday yeah. life. It does help them get to the next stage. Now, that is an active choice mm -hmm. by, you know, the old age governments and that spilled over to how it is yeah. now, right? They chose that curriculum or that specification for the uh, school's um, exam boards to follow, right? right? they actively didn't choose the things that I'm talking about. That's why I'm yearning for yeah. it because it's something that should be in our curriculum, yeah. but they choose not to for whatever reason. I'm not trying to get into the whole politics or the conspiracy of all, all of it. Yeah. All, but it seems like we know what is needed and everyone's been talking about it. Everyone's been talking about it for years, decades, mm -hmm. but it's not being built into our uh, education system. Yeah. Right. So what I'm saying is it's not complex. I, 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 I don't think it's complex. I just think that it's not being, um, it's not properly being it, uh, embedded mm -hmm. into education for whatever reason. 
I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to get into the, like the politics or like why that isn't happening, yeah. but it's not happening. Right? Well, you know what this like, means, right? We 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 we've, we've simplified, right? Like addition has been simplified to like to a crazy amount. If you see addition in primary yeah. school, it's crazy simple. But then you see addition on a major scale, which is evolves into multiplication. We can go into division. Yeah. We can go into a binary uh, adding and everything which obviously gets more complex yeah. but it all starts from added uh, addition which is a shallow topic so yeah I, I think it's possible to build mm -hmm. this it's just up to the governments to decide to do that what your teacher was talking about is is what I think I'm saying here where like there's so much stuff that kids are given to mm -hmm. learn but it doesn't really matter to them yeah. it's kind of incons inconsequential yeah. like, like for example like um I can speak on maths. Like after teaching maths for almost a decade now, I can see how it's not useless. It's actually more akin to uh, uh, solving a uh, solving a puzzle yeah. than actually being useful. Some of these things, and it's only useful for a small percentage of people that actually um, want to go on and study maths or something a lot more complex right. that heavily requires yeah. maths. But for everyone else, it's literally a jigsaw puzzle mm. that you once you've finished, you put it to the side, it collects <clears> dust. And you're not gonna pick it up until you have to teach a kid again. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Like, so that's that. That's probably the biggest flaw, in my opinion, of the education system. Mm -hmm. So much things is being taught to kids that only satisfy maybe two percent, maybe maximum five percent of the actual populace that actually need it. But the rest of the ninety-five percent or the ninety-eight percent, you're literally just giving them puzzles to do, and then clap hands and then use it as a measuring stick for them to get into jobs. Do you know what this means, Kent, right? You know what this means? So, what does this it mean? It means, as my double agent in the education system, you are tasked with oh, the mission okay. of actually fixing this. I don't want no ifs and buts. I don't want any excuses, Ken. I demand <laughs> results. Right, 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 right. Don't worry, so, man. I've actually, um, my, I'm, I'm in the process of building a curriculum like that. Um, that is focusing on more law, money, and biology well uh, knowing yourself knowing your body because it's so oh i remember the fourth one the fourth one is a better pshe pshe um a curriculum mm -hmm. that gets people to really understand um how to be in relationships that's the four so money, I'm, I'm not gonna lie uh, ken though from what i remember pshc i i learned a lot of stuff that i still apply now like my school i have to admit this like the teacher that i had for pshc i forgot his name but he was dutch and he was a he was dope because this guy was like one of the i would say the closest thing that i've ever had to a true free thinker and the way he educated us like i can't i can't fault him for my pshc like because i still i'm still using concepts and like relationships and and like uh, thought processes still to this day that i learned from like back in the days of gcse bro i am actually happy for you mm -hmm. because boy some people are not applying simple simple relationship uh, um common sense things to their everyday mm -hmm. life and we see yeah. all the time on social media people are pining for people that don't really exist or pining for relationships that don't really exist yeah and think that relationships just work just by liking each other mm -hmm. No, there's more to it. And I'm not even just talking about interpersonal relationships with someone that could potentially be romantically invested with. I mean, relationships with your family, relationships with your friends, what you should and shouldn't allow, how peer pressure is just toxicity. You know, 
we, we do talk about it here and there but in terms of the idea of what a relationship actually is can go a long way because I see kids just making dumb mistakes mm-hmm. or assuming silly things or acting stupid around girls or guys and looking for validation in the wrong place and it's usually partly because of them not understanding how to be in relationships because when you think about it when you're a you know you're a teenager you're 14 13 15 16 you know you think you know best like you've lived on this world longer than what 15 like you're not in your parents house like you've never moved out like you never paid bills like you tend to have this entitlement of like oh, i wonder what i'm talking about because you end up becoming a lot more self-aware of yourself because that's what puberty does mm-hmm. it makes you a lot more self-aware of yourself and your surroundings so when people gain this self-awareness they tend to feel like they might know a bit better than they actually do and so they start doing things that are just like okay you're simulating an adult but actually acting like a child and right. that is a problem I think that to kind of bring that to the forefront of these kids to let them know okay that is not right and how to actually deal with that and affect it so that you're not put in that situation where you're actually just talking rubbish or you're just doing rubbish things because you don't know how to be in relationship. You don't have to communicate with people. Mm. Yeah, man. Like, I wish I could mentor kids, like all all the kids, uh, because they keep making the same mistakes, man. But yeah, true. that's that's my soapbox. Do you know what? Let's move on from this deep philosophical talk of the education system, medicine, science... Uh, and get into more important things, uh, and that's that's entertainment. Entertainment is way more important. Uh, Ken, what are we what are we talking about this week? Um, this is going to be the end of the show, but um, what are we talking about, Ken? We are talking about something that we should have talked about a long time yes. ago. <laughs> yes, that's uh, that's Shang Chi and the Ten Rings. Uh, give us a, a brief synopsis of what the film is about. Shang-Chi is about a surprise, surprise, a guy named Shang-Chi who uh, is living a relatively carefree life with his friend um, until one day he gets a swift reminder about the life that he left behind after he has been attacked on a bus, which makes a big surprise for everyone watching uh, to see that he might be someone that they he may not have portrayed in the beginning parts of the film Uh, we go through a very interesting and mystical and magical and maybe a bit scientific uh look into the uh well mystical parts of marvel and how his culture and his family play a massive part on the future of this universe and how pain and hurt makes people do the silliest shit in the world Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's how that's how I felt about it. Now, let's let's get into into how we felt about the film. So I, I think at this point, since it's far enough away, uh, I can I think it's safe for us to get spoilerific. I assume our audience have already watched it, maybe even twice. I've seen it twice. Um, so just to reiterate, did you enjoy it? I, I enjoyed the film. Enjoy I enjoy it, it thoroughly. Uh, okay. Um, it has its problems, like all films does, but I don't think anything was there to take away my fun for it. It was, I think it was well paced. It was, it was fun. It was action filled. The choreography was great. The special effects, I, really quite top notch. Um, I really like the main actor Simu Lee, uh, who plays Shang Chi. My exposure to him was uh, from actually first it was from Fresh Off the Boat. Then it was, Kim, it was Kim's uh, convenience. Yeah. yeah, it was Kim convenience, but 
pardon me it was actually the other way around where he did a cameo on fresh off the boat and i was aware of him there and uh this guy he's had a, like a kind of a He's he's been working hard for a long time to try and get to the point where he is now, where he's like, you know, he's he's gonna. I think he's got potential to be a massive star, and hopefully, he he makes the right moves, takes the right roles to actually do that. He's very outspoken as an advocate in terms of like you know representation on film to the point that sometimes he comes off a bit preachy and obnoxious, but it, sometimes you need to be like that to be heard. Um, but back to the actual importance of the film, so. Just to hit the beats of the film so at the beginning of it he's mild mannered he's got like a dead-end job as a as a uh, valet uh got a best friend in the form of um aquafina and they're just having a good time it's like the great thing i've found about the film is that they didn't just immediately go into this illusion of a romantic subplot there is an attraction there you're getting a sense there but it's not like an overbearing focus on the film right it's mostly a platonic relationship i wouldn't they're friends yeah they're, they're friends. friends i wouldn't go as far as saying like you know it's a brother sister relationship but it's very much platonic and i respect the film for sticking to that as a progressive you uh, you discover that you know shang has a bit of a secret he uh he was actually raised by a, a, a ancient warrior uh by the name of i forget his real name uh but he is was dubbed the the the, the mandarin which they use a very convoluted way to explain that he was originally the man doing this terrorist group stole his name blah 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 uh the major beats of the film go on to show that he was trained to be an assassin he didn't really want that life he betrays his father his father is trying to track him well th- th- there's a reason why he trained to become an assassin um the, the reason the why he, he was trained to become an assassin was to um because the dad when he had kids it was to like he hung up his cape of being the supreme overlord of the ten mm-hmm. rings he just he had a family and his two beautiful children and a beautiful wife and he was going to live out his rich life um with them but then tragedy strikes where um the sins of his father came back to um to kill his wife mm-hmm. unfortunately and then she passes away and from that that's when he decided i'm gonna put the rings back on and now my child, who I've not exposed to this entire life, is now going to be trained to be a born killer to help avenge um, our family name so people don't think that they can ever take us as chumps. So he trained his son to be part of the mission to get revenge and uh, murder the person that murdered mm-hmm. uh, the, his mother and uh, his father's wife. Yeah. Which is a very sad somewhat manipulative but also the son was for it to a degree even though he um didn't like it and what what he was becoming but it made him one of the best fighters um he made him like the ultimate weapon like in hand-to-hand combat you see it with the choreography we have to get into that the choreography is don't cut away they don't cut away away. and there's not a lot of jump cuts there's this typical cinematic flair in terms of we want this angle because it's going to be a dope cinematic thing but they don't it's not overbearing there's a lot of times with it's these because of the guy that's directing that's directing the cinematography of the fights mate this guy's been on the witcher this guy's done shorts on youtube mm-hmm. he is amazing yes 
I'm telling you, he knows how to direct fights. I can de- definitely tell you this, right. though. I can definitely see moments where there was pressure from some exec to say, like, no, we need this money shot because there's going to be a lot of CG in this shot. So we need you to do this one jump cut that literally will break. Because there's a fight scene where I thought to myself, this could have been better if it was just a one shot. You didn't have to do that jump cut. They did it. But I get why, because you needed that money shot of the background. Um, but that that aside, like they spent money on this film, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, you're you're on this adventure where he makes his way to discover his sister has you know created this underground fight pit. There's loads of cameos of characters in the background from previous films. There's a redesign of Abomination from the Hulk, which looks more accurate to the comic book, and I really like it. And if he ends up being in the Thunderbolts, I'm all about it. He's fighting Wong, and like it's just it's cool to see like moments of like the cinematic universe of you know marvel cinematic is a breathing thing it's a living organism things are happening independent of the major threat of the universe right well uh, well, what i'd add to that is i think the mcu or or marvel cinematic universe has gotten better at doing cameos Mm -hmm. cameos used to be like oh i'm gonna we're gonna stop this film Mm -hmm. and point to this thing wink and continue with what we're doing yes but now when they do cameos it's more like all right cool it makes sense for this person to be here. It makes yes. sense for this thing to be here. We're not stopping the film. It's now part of the film. And it's also something that you recognize from previous yes. films or previous uh, um, part, um, forms of the MCU, for example, on the TV mm-hmm. stuff. And I think it's great. They, they, their cameo skills or their uh, you know fan service has gotten incredibly better. Yes. It's now part of the film. Yeah. So from there, you, you find out... <clears throat> that the real plan of their father wasn't necessarily to track them down, it was to track down what they had around their necks, which was uh, a uh, a necklace with a pendant that uh, revealed a map to their mother's uh, hidden society. You find out that the mother actually is from a, another dimension, like a pocket dimension, uh, where this ancient Asian civilization left our world to find a better life. And when it comes down to it and the story progressive, I'm skipping over a few things. A lot of really good character building, I have to say, for a film like this. You Sometimes you can get lost in the spectacle and they say like, nah, we don't need these character moments. But skipping into when they get into the other world, it's like this serene, idyllic, um, almost paradise of a world, which has a dark history where they've been fighting this ancient, ancient evil. And where it comes full circle and you find out that the ancient evil has been manipulating the dad to try and get itself free. It's telling the dad, it's like, hey, I'm not dead. I'm your wife. I'm not dead. There's just like my my family's like crazy and they locked me up in this ancient cave, which you would think at any point he would think eh, that doesn't make any sense. Mm. I, I buried your body. Like, I, nah, grief, grief, grief does grief wonders. Does wonders. And also, this and this is the MCU, right. bro. Almost anything is possible. And I think a fascinating thing <laughs> so, that they can yeah. delve into is whether the rings had an effect. Because it was mentioned at a point in the film, but they moved on to it because she asked, is he wearing the rings again? And I thought they were going to say, it's like, ah, the rings made it easier to, for him to be manipulated because that, that power craves more power and it's easy to be manipulated. I thought that would have been interesting. They don't get into that, but that could be saved for... Uh, a sequel with Shang-Chi which I truly believe this movie is going to get a sequel I think it deserves one uh, it's unfortunate it comes out during the pandemic because I think with the discussion we can have briefly in terms of this versus Black Panther um, I think it's one of those ones given a healthy economy this movie would have made Black Panther money maybe you know 
because like yeah obviously there's multi-factors that's affected the the the, the returns on this film because i thought it was going to make gangbusters in out in china but because of certain political goings on certain things said by simu lee a lot of chinese uh cinemas actually boycotted shang chi um so i think in an ideal situation it would have made probably like at least a billion it lo- it would have definitely made a billion um unfortunately it didn't make as much but i think given the climate i think it made a he- healthy return if i was to look at the the yeah. numbers ken i don't know if you've seen the numbers uh but I'm assuming it's about um, just under 400 mil. Yeah, so, so it didn't do too bad. Um, yeah, the, the numbers are, are quite healthy. I was looking on because I was trying to book out <coughs> tickets for another mm-hmm. film, and I noticed that Shang Chi still has a lot of screenings. Yeah, still. yeah. Like they're, they're they're still pushing this, film. and it's soon to come out it, on uh, Disney Plus. But I don't think it's going to be charged on Disney Plus. From what I've seen of Bla- uh, Black Widow. It won't. Uh, it's not. It's, it's available on Disney Plus for free now, so you don't have to pay for Black Widow anymore. Uh, which I need to go back and watch again because uh, I've turned around on that film where there's things about it that I did have a problem with, but I still really enjoyed that film and I want to watch it again. Uh, but that's that's yeah. my analysis yeah. of the film, Ken, uh, in terms of the breakdown. Well, th- th- there's there's one other thing that um, well, a couple mm-hmm. of things that I want to talk about with this. Go film. for it. Um, just comparing it to Black Panther a bit. Well, there's something that Black Panther in this film don't mm-hmm. do which uh, you know you can chuck it up to not enough time and you've only got so much screen time but you don't really expose the uh the, the escaping worlds that you know the the black uh, culture is coming from or wakanda and then uh, this pocket di- dimension we don't really get to see uh, the wider aspect of it we only get to see the um town that is guarding the barrier mm-hmm. and in the film they alluded to okay this this, this um pocket universe has a uh, a huge environment oh sorry a huge cities that are pro- uh, properly uh, technologically advanced yes. um, but we don't get to see that and like I said it has its own reasons same thing in Black Panther where we do get to see a bit of it I would say more so we saw it in Black Panther than in Shang-Chi but um, I-, I want to see Wakanda I want to see this pocket universe I really want to see people's creative ideas of how to show culture of you know a place that feels familiar is kind of out of this world yeah um and i'm still waiting for that to happen that's the interesting thing um, i think you're spot on yeah. with that i i completely agree um i think we're definitely going to see that with the next black panther because it's you know it's been dubbed um wakanda, wakanda forever. forever you don't name something like that if you don't think you're going to be really delving into wakanda um it'll be very disappointing if it'll be very disappointed i think i've got more issues to be fair when it comes to the next wakanda movie um one of which is that I still think they need to just recast T'Challa instead of uh, completely ignoring him. I'm not happy about yep. the fact that apparently Killmonger's going to be back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he's resurrected. I already have my story idea of how he was. I, I think I might have pitched it to you that T'Challa actually didn't let him die and might use a Kamoya bead to keep him alive but locked up somewhere. I think that's the only way it really makes sense. Mm. Um and unless they do the multiverse thing where it's actually uh, a Killmonger from another dimension but again I don't want them to lean too heavy throughout this next phase that everything is being solved by the multiverse um, yeah yeah. and also the things that I've been hearing about Letitia Wright using her platform on Black Panther to be anti-vax again you can be anti-vax but at the same time I think it's not really fair to your co-stars 
that won't actually produce a a good film during a pandemic. We're still in it. We're still in it. To 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 use your kind of your power in on that political level, right? I think it's also wrong on another level to actually encourage people to use the vaccine. Because you know you hear you're hearing about it in the NBA as well. Like I feel sorry for sorry for Ben Simmons. The, he's being like him and Kyrie Irving are kind of being ostracized for different reasons. But Kyrie Irving, like to the point where he's being fined for not like what fourteen million for not getting the vaccine and not being allowed to play. Yeah. I yeah. If the guy follows the protocols of safety and being tested and he's COVID free, which he did the the whole of the last year's season and postseason, I don't think it's fair to do that to a player. I really don't. And I don't think it's fair on the same token to if somebody wants to take the vaccine and say, No, I'm against it and I'm gonna use this film. She's 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 using the film as as a tool to 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 push her agenda, I think that's kind of shady. Because at the same time, if somebody was to do that to push the vaccine on people, it's like Wakanda forever, and Wakanda only Wakanda's use the vaccine. That I think that's wrong as well. I think your politics are your politics, and it should be on your personal page, maybe in interviews, but don't don't hijack your job to do that. Because imagine if I went into work right, and I'm hijacking my job to for my political beliefs like i think there's some things that you should fight for in terms of like civil rights but it's the right of the individual to take some uh, to take medicine and not take it <laughs> do you know it'd be crazy what um wakanda's probably the only place that could probably confidently be like we have a vaccine i mean wakanda is the place that is basically we, everything is sold with vibranium so they said like, oh no we cured coronavirus exactly. with uh with vibranium oh well, we do not need the vaccine over here so it's um I don't know. Uh when it comes to that side of Black Panther, I'll be curious to see what they produce. I really hope that the outside machinations don't affect the movie too bad. By the same token, when it comes to the Shang-Chi, I'm fascinated to see that if they do delve into the mystical world of um of Shang-Chi, how they, they visualize it, how they break down the political structure and the life the life that's lived there. Uh, it seems more rustic than sci-fi because I feel like because of their war with the demons, a, le- a lot of their technological advancement has been left to the wayside. Uh, but it'll be it'll be curious to see how it goes. Um, oh no no, they they made it clear that this is just the uh, border mm-hmm. town. This is the guard yes. town that they have escaping like. Cities. But they also made it. They also they made it clear that inland. their population that's pretty much their population because so like most of their population got killed by the demons. So again, it's a deeper thing. Some things can be rewritten or some things say like, oh, it was ambiguous anyway. So there's actually millions of people here. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes. But is there anything else you want to mention okay. about? Well, my final, my final question to you mm-hmm. with, with, with Shang-Chi, um, and I, I have my own answer, mm-hmm. but I want to ask you, what had a bigger impact, Crazy Rich Asians or Shang-Chi for the Asian population? I, it's unfortunate. And I think this is only because of the pandemic. But crazy rich Asians but at the same time you kind of I think it makes sense in the sense that you needed crazy rich Asians to pave the way to say yo this movies can make money Asian movies can make money um, 
So it's, it's, it's quite a few Asian properties out there that are making money. So we had um, the one that won crazy awards, mm-hmm. the the uh, South Korean one. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was it called? Parasite. Yes. So Parasite did numbers. Crazy Rich Asians did numbers. Yeah. Um, Squid Game right now is doing numbers. Um, Shang Chi is doing numbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, Chinese cinema has always done numbers, to be honest. Uh, but obviously, yeah. main mainland China has always um, pushed that anyway. That's um, the thing. So the thing is, I if you want to go back further it back, being a, 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 an Asian American films, yeah. these two are the ones that stand out the most because uh, these are the ones that are feel very, very Hollywood. Yeah, and are you know mainly That's in America. It. That is exactly. Uh, but I think it. Crazy Research Agents definitely had a bigger impact. That's exactly it, right um, there, Ken. Chi. Because if you want to go far back, you had things like Hero and Crimson Tiger and Hidden Dragon and and House mm-hmm. of Flying Daggers. The problem is how Hollywood is saying like, oh, well, those were successful, but it was successful in their yeah. market. I don't think necessarily if we did it here in, in Hollywood, in the West, it's going to pop off the same way. But I think you needed something like Crazy Rich Asians to proof is in the pudding, right? So that's why everything afterwards is not going to have as much as that, that major impact. Like you look at, if we want to go back and look at Blade, right? Before Blade, nobody took superhero movies seriously regardless of race or whatever but blade was the one that literally made everybody wake up and say oh yo whoa these these movies can not only make profit but make stupid money oh, maybe we can do spider-man because spider-man before blade was being shopped around to every single studio even blade itself right the only reason why blade the movie came to be uh wesley snipes actually wanted to do a black panther film it's just that nobody would nobody yeah, would produce yeah, it remember that so I think it always takes that one thing to open the door and to have that impact, whether it be big or small. I think uh, Blade had a huge impact for the time, but it does not compare to the impact of Black Panther. Black Panther was a a wave. It was an unrelenting storm. And I think Shang-Chi would have had that if you could go out and enjoy the storm, if you know what I mean. You know, we still couldn't really go out. Um... I don't know, you know. Um, I, I think, um, uh, do you know what? Yeah, it it probably would have done okay. But I I think the reason why uh, Crazy Rich Asians and Black Panther um, were very very um, had a bigger impact, respectfully, mm. uh, for their uh, for, for for their own cultures, yeah. is because of that mm. word mm-hmm. culture. Crazy Rich Asians was literally about a culture that yeah. exists. And then Black Panther is about a culture that people have been dying mm-hmm. to exist, dying for mm-hmm. to exist. When we compare Shang-Chi, I, I compare it more to Crouching Tiger or, or, or something else like right. that, mainly because, you know, it's a bit more fantastical. It's not trying to push, oh, this is uh, um, a cultural revolution type mm-hmm. thing or, or something or exposing something that people didn't really know or are dying for. It felt very like, okay, I've, I've kind of seen this before, but not in a negative way. It's like, oh, yeah. It's, it's welcoming and happy that it's in mm. the West or in America. But Crazy Rich Asians and Black Panther, it was very like, all right, cool. This is for for the people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, this is for I, the I think people. I th- Shang-Chi I, is not necessarily... <coughs> I don't get that vibe from Shang-Chi. I don't get that vibe in terms of the film. You're, you are right. Um, and I think they just had a different mission statement. I think their mission statement was to kind yeah. of sell Wushu to the cinematic universe. Yeah, um, but I think if things were still open, you still would have had those stories of like um, Asian celebrity X uh, bought a whole cinema 
for this community. Whereas, you know, given the pandemic, they wasn't really allowed to do that in certain states. I think a lot of things that are probably affected the wave of this film is that a lot of places where, again, in Hollywood, in, 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 in the box office, a lot of your money is made still in America. You know, it's, there's very few accept, uh, exceptions where, yeah, internationally, it can make more money and vice versa. But you're making a lot of your money at home. And if in a lot of states you can't open up those gates, you can't open up those gates. So that's everything i have to say on that um overall man i i really enjoy shang chi watching it once watching it twice when it comes up on disney plus i'm going to be doing the whole marathon of the mcu i like to do that you know as semi regular places maybe at least once a year uh it's going to be proving harder because the tv shows are bangers as well so that's a lot of content to expose well we I'm happy that the TV shows don't have a lot of We do need to have is... that discussion on what if. That's going to be a whole dedicated episode, Can We need to do that. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, but yeah, like, um, should we wrap it up there? Yeah, man. Let's, let's, let's All right, man. It. So thank you again for joining us this week. We've had, we've had a chilled week. We've had a fun week. We had a chilled break that we've already told you about before. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. And I hope you enjoy the show. So the usual things like follow us on our social medias. Uh, I am dot, uh, Royal That Majesty. Uh, find Ken on I am Mr. Ken. And you can find us on OnDeck.Podcast uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. So um, thank you once again for being with us. We appreciate everything you do when you listen to us, you share us, you comment. Keep doing that good stuff. It helps us grow. And uh, we're out. Peace. Adios, people. <laughs>